welcome to Living with a Disability, No Big Deal. This podcast is for people who want to learn how to thrive with a disability. It is also designed to share insights for those who have friends or family with a disability. Brad Gabrielson, our host, was born with cerebral palsy and uses a wheelchair for mobility. He is a North Dakota native and believes life is about managing challenges with understanding, mental toughness, and determination. Welcome to Living with a Disability, No Big Today we're going to be talking about therapy dogs. I'm here with uh, Mike Romans and, of course, Gary Wicks. So, so how are you all doing? We're doing well. Yeah. Surviving. Yeah. Looking, out, looking outside at the 70 degree weather. My dogs are too. They're, they're wondering when we're going outside in it. Yeah. Well, we're going to be, I'm going to be going on after this too, I think. So, yeah. yeah. So. Good time for it. Yeah. <laughs> I know Gary's got some questions. I sent him a little article I found on uh, the difference between this, the, uh, the three groups of uh, different types of um, training for the animals, like therapy dogs, the difference mm-hmm. between that and the service dogs and emotional dogs, I think they call them. Or what yep, is emotional it? support is the legal term, so to speak. Okay. Right. I don't you go ahead and ask some questions, Carrie, and if I could think of one, I'll chime in. So. All right. You just do that. I, uh, I, I wanted to start by wondering if you've seen this billboard uh mike at the bottom of the hill leaving town out of to go, to go south it's a big warning about therapy mm-hmm. dogs and how you could be liable have you seen that i haven't i didn't i guess i didn't read the the therapy dog part the the one i've seen is talking about how you know some people and and it's kind of been a problem actually in the the dog community so to speak is it's mm-hmm. not you know, the way that, that you needed to get service dogs before were to go through a company, you know, we've got the Great Plains down in Judd, you know, there's a lot of different uh, programs for veterans and things. And, you know, in order to do that, it's, it's a significant amount of money. So there's a lot of companies that would basically, you write in and you give them a picture of your dog and they certify your dog, which oh. is, from what I've read, actually legal. But to me and to, you know, the, the community of those that use it and need yeah. it, unethical. You know, I, I, I don't know that, that there's a lot of laws being broken. Now, there's people that will even forge those documents. And, yeah. you know, you can, I mean, you can buy a vest that says service dog. Okay. So, logically speaking, I could be walking around with a, um, with a vest on, and I have one that I, that I had bought that has a service dog patch, but I took the patch off. That's for my older dog when I was going to train my older dog and he just didn't, you know, work out as a, as a service dog. He's got a couple of different quirks in him that, that I don't think I feel comfortable bringing him into an ED classroom, so to speak. Um, but, uh, you know, truthfully I could have slapped that on him and there, if now legally you're supposed to carry an identification card with, um, You know, so that if you are questioned, say, in a public building or, you know, at an airport or something like that, you need to show proof that your dog is currently certified and whatnot for 
a service dog. Um, generally speaking, that part is the same for a therapy dog. Um, now I've used my therapy dogs virtually strictly for schools. I had gone into with my previous therapy dog, went into the Ann Carlson center a few times. Um, I did have a couple of different, like, you know, just to call them events when we, you know, way back when, when we had the teacher store, I don't even remember what it was called, but we had that teacher store downtown, you know, just south of Jamestown, well, University of Jamestown. Okay. And I had a couple of different read with the dog events where kids would come in and, and read with the dog and whatnot. And I would read a story and have the dog with and, yeah. and talk about therapy dogs and whatnot. But anytime that I've got the therapy dog with and they're working, I'm supposed to have that identification with me as well because somebody could you know somebody can say because again i could i could very easily slap a vest on and, and i've got here this is this is her her training vest and i made it made sure that it's very clear that therapy dog in training yeah. um now depending on what organization you go through some have their own attire so to speak right. the organization i go through and am going through right now is called love on a leash they've got simple bandana that the dog would wear for me with the the dog that i currently have i may still continue to use the vest and the bandana one because the color is our school colors at school so i think the kids will think it's really cool two just because she's kind of used to that she's you know she's two but she's still got a little puppy in her she's actually an amputee she had one of her legs that when she was a pup that had you know basically her knee had encapsulated in, in uh scar tissues she couldn't bend her leg so she's she's a three-legged dog and so her she wasn't able to you know that happened when she was a pup then her surgery was over the winter so she wasn't able to get that puppy energy really out of her so there's times when she still got that puppy energy so i mean i use the vest as kind of that indication that okay when you've got the vest on we're training or we're working and that's that's that and it really you know surprisingly it really really works well you know a lot of people say it works well too with with your hunting dogs you know if you've got a hunting vest or if you've got a hunting anything like that I mean those dogs just know that that attire means all right I'm at work you know kind of like you know we we dress up a little bit differently when we go into the office I mean right now I'm I'm, I'm a teacher I'm sitting in sweatpants and a t-shirt and a half since we have started distance learning yeah. But I'm certainly not going to wear that every day to school, you know, and it's it's kind of that same concept. You know, we dress differently at home than we do at work. Dogs act, you know, you take her out, you take the vest off. She's still a dog. She's, yeah. She still will get into trouble. She'll still, you know, dig in the garbage. I mean, she's she's still a dog, but is is much better behaved with that vest on with, with things like that. I've, I've heard of people and I, I don't necessarily like it that, you know, when they've got company over, we'll actually put the vest on their dog just to get them to behave better. And, you know, to me, that almost creates more confusion in the dog, but, you know, to each his own, you know, yeah. it depends on, it depends on what level of therapy you use it. Now, my kids, truthfully, and I don't put the vest on them every time, but my kids use her just as much as my kids at school will. And, you know, what's funny is how much teachers will actually use the therapy dog just as much as the kids do you know i had i would have teachers come down at lunchtime and you know because obviously with the dog in my room i i would eat lunch in my room just you know so i made contact with her i wasn't going to bring the dog into where everybody else is eating because yeah. you know some people don't feel comfortable with that 
but you know the teachers would come in over lunch break and and just sit with their petter for a few minutes and be yeah. calm and go on with their day yeah yeah I have well, a question, question. Oh, I have go a ahead, question. Brad. I have a question mike um sure the school in judd i was the original founder of okay so i was so you're right about carrying a um, piece of paper with you in your wallet or in your pocket. When I first brought my dog back, when I had a, my dog, I got from Ohio, and I was arrested in uh, a restaurant here in town when I first brought Bo back. They brought a police car for me and a police car for the dog, <laughs> <laughs> and they asked me to leave the restaurant. And I said, "Why?" And he said, well, they don't really have to give you a reason other than the fact that it could be for the reason, the way you dress. And I'm going, okay. You know, my my fiancé at the time, she, my fiancé said, come on, Brad, don't make a scene. <laughs> Just leave. So I, so I did. But the amazing thing is 21 other people did too without paying their bill. Huh. And so... Huh. So it was it was a learning experience for me and for the people in the restaurant because the dog was underneath the table. He was attached to my chair by a leash. It wasn't bothering anybody, but but they they thought because I wasn't blind, I didn't need a dog. Right. So, so it was a learning experience for not only for me, but also for, you know, the city of Jamestown, I believe. Plus, I wrote a letter to the Attorney General, which was Heidi Heikamp at the time, and she wrote a letter to the restaurant owner on, on my behalf. A couple weeks later, I get a nice little letter saying, you can come back to my restaurant anytime, <laughs> you know, so. So, but, um, yeah, I was the original founder of Great what is it? What is it now? Is it uh, Service Dogs of America or what is the call? Something like that. Yeah, I haven't really, I haven't really followed them a lot um, lately. Which I, I wish I did. I wish I because I, you know, they have a lot of programs and and they used to have. I don't even know if they still do. Where they would essentially get um, and have kids come down and help train the dogs. You know, I know they did a lot of work. They do a lot of work too with the prisons here in town. And just with the basic obedience stuff of like a therapy dog or a service dog or emotional support dog, anybody can train that, you know, and, and that's where, you know, I, I feel comfortable with training the, the therapy dogs, you know, essentially they pass an evaluation and they're good. The, the biggest difference between therapy dogs and service dogs are, and, and Brad, I'm sure you know this, service dogs have an actual job you know they have like a specific few jobs you know whether you have a service dog for the blind obviously that's you know that person's eyes you know if you have a service dog there's there's even dogs that are trained to detect seizures where if if somebody's going to have a seizure that they will you know go and and comfort and, and lay on that person to protect that and to to indicate that um i've even heard of of blood sugar you know, dogs that can smell when you have low blood sugar in yeah. the middle of the night yep. and will wake you up to test your blood sugar. Right. So, I mean, it's dogs can do amazing things. Um, you know, with mine, 
like I said, I, I want my dog to be, and I, I contemplated training her as a service dog, you know, with, with myself having PTSD. Um, but then, you know, my worry was, and, and she does do a great, you know, she is an emotional support. I mean, she's, she's kind of all three essentially wrapped into one. Um, the, the biggest difference is if she's a service dog, she's my dog and she's not meant for other people to pet. She's not there for other people to snuggle with. You know, I mean, on occasion you can take the vest off and let people, you know, pet and whatever, but generally speaking, and that's not what I want. I want to bring my, my dog into my classroom, you know, a big focus right now in schools and especially going through a lot of the, the COVID stuff that we're going through now is social emotional learning, you know, and just being able to, you know, cope with different things. And it's amazing the calmness that can, that a dog can bring, even just bringing a dog into the room, you know, and obviously we've got our battles, you know, in a building of 250 people, not everybody likes dogs. There's, there's one or two that are going to be allergic. You know, there's, there's boundaries that you have to accommodate to. And, you know, we, we went through those and, you know, I made sure, like I said, it was, it was a pretty lengthy process that we went to, um, you know, myself and our superintendent were, and our special ed director and my principal, you know, we all were, were in, um, you know, we were in discussion for a couple of years before we really started to get things taken off. And, you know, then we kind of got took off and we had a couple of people that, that kind of jumped on board and really wanted to include therapy dogs in their classrooms as well. And in their lives. And so we got a, a pretty, pretty good group of people. So we're, we're going to have therapy dogs, hopefully, I mean, at the start of next year, um, mm-hmm at a lot of different schools in town so it should be it'll be really neat now depending on how long this stuff lasts until you know we'll determine when I can get up and you know I've got it set where she's gonna you know I've got a gal up in New Rockford that's going to take her through the evaluation and she's got a spot picked out but it's just a matter of when I can get up there and and when all these these things are lifted and she can get get certified and now what'll be tough is in order to, to get, you know, she basically had to do what I call doggy super or doggy student teaching. And mm-hmm. she's got to do 10 supervised visits. So I was going to do those in my classroom, just have my principal be the, the supervisor. And with us not being in school, I'm going to have to go to plan, plan B. And so I'm, I'm kind of trying to think of what plan B is going to be. But again, to be able to bring her into someplace right now with social distancing guidelines is, is going to be difficult. So yeah, yeah, right. And I and I also and I also know, just from my own experience, by having a service dog, I have like just a plain old mastiff now. But he does a lot of things just by I trained him for what I, I need him for. I mean, he he's not he's just a plain plain dog as far as that goes, but uh, it wouldn't take much to get him to be a therapy dog or, right, you know, but, but he knows when my legs start to shake at night, he can figure it out just before they start. He's already got his, he's already got his legs and his legs on top of me and my, and his head on top of my legs until they stop shaking. So, mm. you know, cause I have spasticity from my CP. So, mm. uh, you know, and, uh, He's been, and I never taught him to do that. That just comes natural for him, and uh, he can sense it when they when they, just before that happens. And, and yeah, he's 
is that a is that a common experience where, where some of the training is very specific to the person who's going to be using that dog and mm -hmm. especially, especially with service dogs yeah okay yeah the you know we i went to a training um i'm also a certified nurtured heart trainer carrie as you know i know you've actually passed my information on to a few people which i appreciate um and you know i get there was actually a gal and it was the first time i've seen it when we went to our certified training that had a service dog and she was a veteran and you know she she had just kind of talked about a lot of that stuff and and really you know the biggest difference is if you know i I equate, you know, when I look at the PTSD of myself, my family also does traumatic foster care. Um, so, you know, the, the dog I had, had talked about that has kind of a few little quirks, he would, he would have been, I mean, had I started training him um, right away, you know, we bought him as a hunting dog. And to be honest, as far as the bonding goes, we bought him too early because we bought him right after we put down our other therapy dog. And so I didn't, you know, bond with him like I should, but he also does a great job. Like he notices if, if there's situations or quirks, you know, whether it's even with me or with the kids, he's right yeah. there laying with us. So, I mean, it's, that's nothing I've taught him. You know, it's not when my, when my seven-year-old's having a meltdown, I didn't teach him to go lay right below the ladder on his um, bunk bed so that once he's done, he can crawl down and snuggle with the dog and everything's going to be okay. You know, I didn't train him to go lay up when, when my nine-year-old daughters haven't, you know, I, there's, there's things that you just don't train it. They just, they just pick it up. And, you know, she said, we don't choose the service dog or the service dog chooses us. And sometimes that can be difficult, yes. you know, and that's a lot of, you know, I think that was kind of her way of cautioning me when it came to, cause I had talked to her about training mine as a service dog for me, uh, just because there's some environmental triggers that I still haven't you know been able to get over yet that it's nice just to have that comfort there when you're by yourself um and so it's it's uh you know like she said it's it's not a matter of them you know and sometimes like I said when when a dog is supposed to have a job sometimes their job is to basically calm you down from a panic attack or prevent a panic attack and to me that's what a therapy dog does and so if I can get eventually get to where my therapy dog comes to my classroom with me every day I'm sad you know it's I mean she can help the kids she can help me she can help the teachers you know and, and what schools like about it is you know in schools we look at social emotional learning and the first thing a teacher will ask are okay what else do I have to do what else what other program am I going to have to learn there's nothing with her you send your kid down to read with the dog for 10 minutes and I guarantee you they're going to be better off than when they left yeah, nice. You know, and that's nothing that a teacher has to do. That doesn't cost, you know, I've asked, I've not asked for a dime from the school and I won't. I think our PTO is going to actually buy me some bean bags so the kids have a place to, to sit with it. Cause I had a, I had a couch in my room and a lot of the staff members gave me a hard time that it was very old couch and time for the couch to go. So <laughs> during, during the COVID scare, when we were putting our, you know, we were having our TAs do some cleaning the couch mm -hmm. accidentally ended up in the back end of somebody's pickup and is now sitting at the Jamestown landfill. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we'll have to look at plan B when it comes to that. Right. Right. <laughs> I know I know when I brought Bow back and decided to start a, start up the school in Judd, you know, I thought to myself, I could help a, a lot of people that, you know, that could use the dogs. Cause I, I've noticed 
you're right, you can train dogs for diabetes, for hearing, for almost anything you would want to, really. But as far as the service animal, it was amazing to me because I had to go get a lot of laws changed. That was that was the, the most tricky part. Thank God I had a representative that was blind, so he knew how important the dog was for him. So he helped me a lot as far as what what to tell me what I had to do, what I had to do. So and when it came time to get the laws changed, for example, to go into medical facilities. I couldn't bring my dog in uh, when I went had to go into the hospital for migraine headaches. Mm. We did sneak them in a few times, but, <laughs> but um, it's probably a bit harder to sneak a mastiff in anywhere though. I bet it is too. Right, right. But I mean, you know, but I mean, but now, you know, they can go into with you to see the doctor or, you know, at the clinic or whatever. So in a sense, even though they're, they're, I'm not working with them and Judd anymore, I still feel that my my goal is being met. They're still helping, you know, people who need these dogs. I know we had a personal conflict between the organization and myself. The problem was that when it came to nonprofit, they could vote you out. That's what happened. Mm. So that's one bad. That's one bad thing about nonprofit. But mm. you know, but I'm glad they're they're still helping the people. I'm still proud of what I've done, and uh, you know, <laughs> so yeah, you know, and it's and, and back in the '80s, it seems like it was easier to raise money. Now with the internet. Everybody wants to raise money with the internet. Yeah, back in the 80s, yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah, back in the 80s, I used to sign a lot of letters to you know to different schools and do demonstrations and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. meet a lot of people. And uh, heck, boy, and I even met President Clinton. So, and a few others. So it was interesting. I wanted <laughs> to get them covered under Medicare so they can get their shots and stuff covered but i didn't get a chance to finish that part of it but uh, i i would i've always hoped that you know because when i look at you know service dogs and obviously brad you know i mean starting that stuff up and i'm not sure you know what kind of programs there are and you know i know i'm also a firefighter so i'm a first responder so i get a lot of i hate using more discounts when it comes to that stuff but you know when it comes to purchasing and then obtaining a, a service dog, it's not cheap. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, when it, when it comes down and I understand the training and the housing and the boarding and, and that, all that stuff costs money. I, I totally understand why, but I wish that there were more things that with insurance companies that you could do for that. Because I mean, when you look at somebody, you look at a veteran of PTSD, for example, or even, you know, and, and I say veterans with PTSD and I don't, you know, I'll even argue with people. I'm not a veteran but I've got PTSD and you look at anyone with PTSD, you know, a service dog could mean a lot more to that person than their medication. Yeah. You know, when it comes to, you know, medication and, you know, different types of therapies and, and things like that, you know, when I, you know, and I don't mean to discredit what you do Carrie, obviously, of course, but 
when it looks to, you know, length of frequency of, um, you know, duration and, and just different things like that. I Absolutely. mean, if you would look at, at, at the overall cost, I mean, I look at what I've paid out of pocket since my diagnosis and it's yeah. staggering. Yeah. And that's not even what my insurance, you know, if, if my insurance company would be able to kick something more towards that, that's, that's something that I wish that I could see more of, you know, and yeah. now I don't, I don't have the means and, and I don't want to say that I don't have the drive because I do have the drive. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing right now with my therapy dogs. But that's something in the long run that I would like to see changed is, is insurance companies carrying more and having a little bit more to do with some of those service dog you know, obtaining a service dog. I know there's a lot of different programs. Um, you know, I could have wrote and applied for a grant where I could have been basically given a service dog. Hmm. And, but that's application processes that that's one of those things that takes time. And, right. you know, Carrie, you know, better than any of us, sometimes people with PTSD don't have time. Right. You know, we, we don't have time to fill out a bunch of paperwork and we don't have time to, you know, jump through all these hoops and regulations. And it, it's, Right. That's what I like about the therapy dog is, is really any dog can be a therapy dog, whether they're certified or not. You know, this, what the certification does for me is it allows me to, you know, I presented it to our school board and, you know, having the contingency of that certification that will allow me to bring her into school into the classroom. Yep. So. Yep. Well, and I, and I think that goes to uh, success um, you, you know, we've got to have a broad way of looking at success for individuals. And if service dogs are a part of that long-term success, who would argue against that? Right. I think exactly uh, like you are, that insurances would probably, if they, if they studied it very much, see it as a cost savings overall. Because mm -hmm. whatever can maintain stability is, is going to keep people on uh, solid ground and not not using services uh, that are pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. So makes sense to me. And, and, yeah. and what I found too is is um, the uh, the dogs they they don't ask for much. They just ask to please people. You know, please their masters. They're not they're not asking for you know uh, for you know, going to the store and buying a hundred dollars worth of food, they're just saying a fifty-pound bag lasts them maybe two, two, three weeks, and you go mm -hmm. get another one. I mean, and some biscuits mm -hmm. once in a while, you know. But the shots are what cost the most when you and the grooming cost. Mm -hmm. You know, the grooming cost cost money too because you, with the service dog you're taking them everywhere and you want to make sure they're clean you want to make sure they've got the, the tick the tick dipped and all that stuff the nails done and, you know clipped short enough so they don't you know scratch anybody so you know you got to make sure but uh in the chip of course i i got my dog chipped in case he gets lost they can you know bring him back and <laughs> so but, yeah, because uh, you put that amount of money into it, you want to be able to get your investment back quickly. Right. And when I was when I when I started the uh, dog school, they were they were five thousand dollars. Now they're all twenty five or thirty thousand. Yeah. And most of the time, they're given to the organ uh, the the recipient, but then they have a responsibility, kind of, to to raise the money by going to different. Uh, 
clubs and charities and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, or having a, another way to raise the funds. But uh, but then you always find somebody that just had an accident and they need help as well. So you feel kind of guilty. At least I did when I was uh, going around to different clubs asking, you know, like the American Legion and the All Bets Club or something, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you have to compete with the rest of them. So it was kind of difficult, but... Uh, but the dogs were very important. Mm-hmm. So I would love to get another service animal or train him to be another servant. Uh, either a therapy dog or something. Because I, I know Tank is, uh, he weighs 150 pounds and he's the runt of the litter. But uh, when I got him, I paid $2,000 for him, to, you know, when I got him from Wisconsin. So. You know, and uh, he's a very good friend of mine, and uh, I wouldn't know what to do without him. <laughs> so, right. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know yeah. how to go about, like, we were talking how to get him certified, you know, unless I go down to Judd, and they're not going to let me go down there. Yeah. I know there's one place in Fargo, and I forget what it's, you know, it's for, it's more for service, service and first responders, but... You know, and, and the internet will do one. There's a couple of different places in Fargo that you might have some luck with. Hmm. But again, they're not they're not inexpensive, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and, you know, it'd probably be easier to get. I used to be almost certified as a trainer because I was thinking about doing it. You know, I didn't know, I didn't know how short I was going to be there. So I was thinking about being a certified trainer. But uh, then, I, then I just... After what happened with that's another story, but after what happened, I just decided, decided not to do it because why? Why should I compete with the the organization that I started? You know, so maybe maybe sometime I'll have to sit down with you, uh, Mike, and we'll have to maybe you can look at look at take and uh, maybe you can say, well, you know. We could probably make him at least a therapy dog. Oh, well, there you go. Would that? They could still travel on airplanes, just like the service dogs can, right? Um, it depends on the airline. They're not legally obligated to be able to, but you have a little bit more lenience. Um, and I look at hotels too. There's been a few hotels that, you know, because a lot of times when you go to hotels, they'll say, "Well, you have to pay, you know, a fifty dollar charge." Well, they can't charge that to you if it's a service dog. And I've been able to weasel out of that a couple times because it's a therapy dog. Some they're like, nope, if it's not a service dog, it's nothing to us. You know, I don't, you know, if you don't, if you don't need it to live, then you don't need it here. So, hmm. but I mean, a lot, it's dependent. Like I said, the, the only legal is, is the service dog. Um, you know, therapy dogs are, there's not a whole lot of legal backing with it. It's just a, a certification that allows me to, you know, it's, it's kind of a credential, basically, that I can go to my school board and be able to present to my parents. Because otherwise, you know, the last thing that you want is every teacher wanting to bring their dog into the school. And then all of a sudden, you've got all kinds of rambunctious kids running around and hyper dogs running around after them. And, and then you got a mess, you know, and that's kind of what our superintendent had, had mentioned too, you know, where he wanted some kind of certification, some kind of policy. And, and like I said, that's what that's what took us some time. I mean, writing policy is never easy. 
Well, in terms of uh, liability, I would think that the, uh, the the quality qualities of the dog, you know, because they would be guarding against any injury that might happen, or you know, if a dog wasn't well behaved, what what kinds of things could happen? I would imagine uh, that the certification is worth something because it it says something about that animal. Well, and it depends on the certification too. Some like. With my with the love on a lease certification, technically speaking, if I'm on the job, um, they're not covered by love on a leash's insurance policy. But I think teachers do get a special exemption to that, so to speak. Um, but where I don't worry about that is she's covered under under our homeowners policy. You know, I made sure to get an underwriting on our homeowners insurance that she's covered under there. You know, and when we rented, and and that's that's an inexpensive fix so but the liability is i mean that is important when you know like i said when i was presenting to the school board and originally to principals and superintendents and directors you know that was the first thing they said is what happens if something happens and you know it is a liability that i have to take upon myself and and you're not just considering the behavior of the dog either because obviously there are there are kids that might not be very kind to dogs i mean i've seen that happen parks and and things um and so yeah that that uh covers a lot a lot of ground really it does and that's you know that's been something too that we've had a lot of discussion on and that's that's been a benefit too of of this distance learning stuff is i've been able to you know i tell the kids i'm like well i don't need certification now and my dog can come to the classroom and they love it i mean like i said when i'm videotaping lessons or when i'm doing zoom calls with kids she's 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 laying right here next to me right now, you know, and, and anytime I'm in this spot, do it with my computer and my webcam and she knows, she knows what's going on. And the, the only question I might, when you, when I, when I asked you if you can bring the therapy dog in on the airplane, you said yes. And then if I'm correct, you said yes, but can you also bring them into restaurants? Um, that's, that's a restaurant policy they are not legal you know like with with service dogs they are actually legally obligated to allow you to bring that dog in um you know with the americans with disabilities act that you know covers service dogs you know there's i don't know what the exact language is in it um but there's language in the americans with disabilities act that does cover you know, mandating that it's law that you are able to bring a service dog. It's no different than really saying if, well, you can come in here, but you can't bring your wheelchair or you can't bring your walker or you can't, you know, you got a broken leg, but you can't bring your crutches in here because they're going to take up space. So um, the therapy dogs now, some I've never tried, honestly, to bring her in. Just like, I mean, because like I said, I'd, not that I would ever have a problem with it, but I know with, you know, staff members that at our school, I would always eat in my room when I had her there just because I didn't want staff members to worry about, oh my gosh, I'm eating as a dog. Oh, there's a hair in my food. There's, you know, yada, yada, yada. Whereas, I mean, I would have no legal standing on that. But if it was a service dog, there was legit, I mean, okay, you got a dog here, tough, there's a dog sitting next to me, this dog is my lifeline, this dog is legally, you know. I was just, I was just curious because um, after you, um, after we got done, someone asked me, I mean, 
he's some of the therapy dogs are just as well trained as a service dog mm-hmm. as far as behavior wise. So if you right. put them, if you put them under the table, they're not going to get in anybody's way, and they're gonna, you know, and they'll follow you through uh, the aisle anyway. You know, if you put them on right. a short leash, so it wouldn't be no problem. But but uh, that's what I wanted to ask you. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, logically it wouldn't be a problem. And I've brought there's some stores that allow dogs. You know, right now they've said that that they don't allow them um you know one that i take i actually take uh the dogs too when i'm doing training is tsc um they've been they've been fantastic with with allowing dogs into the um into the store and why the reason i take them in there is because there's so many different smells and attractions to dogs that you know, would tempt them. And, you know, I can, that way I can teach more control and more focus on, on me as opposed to the surrounding stimulus, you know, and that's, that's really the hardest thing to, to train any dog with, especially a therapy dog, you know, and one of the reasons too, why I like the, you know, the way that I was speaking with, as with love on a leash is because, you know, with their requirements of having the 10 visits, you know, what those 10 visits do is it allows me to identify, you know, different things that maybe I'll have to train the dog with. You know, when I had my first therapy dog, I had a, kid, a student in my classroom in a wheelchair. So I had talked to the Ann Carlson Center and they, you know, went in the back of their storage unit way in the, in the back and found me this old rickety, you know, 19, probably 20 wheelchair that was probably old and older than Dr. Ann. And they, they actually just, they donated it. I mean, they gave it to me and, you know, I would set it up and I would, you know, do different things. I would put food down underneath the wheelchair. I would put food in the seat. You know, I would put, uh, just do different things, you know, have the chair tip over, just do different circumstances. Um, just to get the, the dog used to that piece of equipment. Obviously it wasn't the same wheelchair, but it allowed them to get used to that equipment. And that's where, you know, that 10 day stuff can go and come in. And is it, is it really identifies specific things that I need to train that dog for, for the job that she's going to be doing and for the placement she's going to be doing, you know, you would, you would have now some therapy dogs are, are generally trained where, you know, they go into all over. I mean, they go into all kinds of different places and that takes a little bit more time. That's where maybe you want to spread those 10 visits out into, you know, two of them in a nursing home, two of them in a hospital, two of them in a school, you know, type of thing. And, you know, cause a lot of people, one, one of the, uh, one of the best jobs that, that Daisy had was the nurse, the school nurse at the time was a friend of mine and there would be, you know, they would do flu shots at our school. And there was a, a kind of a group of kids that they would identify with that were absolutely terrified to get their flu shot. So I would make sure Daisy was there that day. And then they would kind of gather that whole crew up and that whole crew, like, I mean, they, they, it was almost like it was easier for them to be scared together. And then I'd bring the dog in and they would sit there and they'd pet the dog with one hand and get the shot in the other arm. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, there wasn't a single, 
single issue with it. So it was, it was helpful to, to everybody. And, and she was, I mean, she was a true gift. And I think, you know, Dandy has a lot of the same mannerisms. The, uh, the one thing that we're, and she's, we've had, you know, it's a, this is a blessing in the quarantine that we're going through right now is I've had, I've had the opportunity to spend a lot more time training her. Um, you know, she just has a lot of energy and, it's harder for her to get some of that energy out only having three legs. Mm-hmm. You know, she's still a younger lab. She's just turned two um, and is actually smaller. Like if, if you were to talk about breeding a miniature lab, she would be it. I mean, I think my other lab is 70 pounds and I bet she's barely at 40 and she's, I mean, she's two, so she's not going to get any bigger. Yeah. And- when she when she runs if she when she runs she does she does pretty good on three legs then right oh yeah she chased we we just had them over you know I live um, kitty corner from Ave Maria we had her in that big field that uh, you know kind of lines the bike path by Ave Maria yeah and I would uh, I'd throw the ball to my other dog and she was right behind her she was right behind him and then she got smart and she would run about halfway she'd lay down. She'd let the other dog go get the ball, start to come back, and then she'd go after the dog. So, I mean, she's, like I said, I mean, it's, you know, when, when you take the vest off, they're dogs. You know, she'll, she'll play around. She does those kinds of things. Um, Dicks in the garbage. Yeah. You know, they're, they're still dogs. Right. Um, I know. Um, and then, do they, when, um, when they're therapy dogs, you, you uh, the patients can pet them. Does that mean anybody can pet them then, or do they have to get your permission to do that, or is it just a certain group that you're going to see at the time? You don't let anybody like uptown, uh, you know, when you're walking up, for example, pet the dog. Do you? Oh, and she's she's welcome. Usually, you know what I like to, to what I like to do just because I like. I mean, me being a teacher. Um, is I like to use it as teachable moments for kids, you know, because if I do take her uptown, um, you know, there's times when I'll take her downtown and, and walk with the vest and, you know, people do respect the vest. And, and a lot of times they'll say, you know, it gives parents an opportunity to, um, you know, being a special ed teacher, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for people with disabilities and it gives parents an opportunity. And if the parents don't do it, it gives me an opportunity to say, you know, this, this vest means this dog is working. And, you know, a lot of times the parents will say, well, that dog has a vest on, so you can't pet it. And then that's where I can kind of chime in and say, you know, I appreciate that you recognize that. And that's normally the case. However, this is a therapy dog. I mean, then there's been times I've gotten into 20 minute conversations about therapy dogs while the kids sit and pet the dog. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's more encouraged, but like I said, I like to use it as teachable moments because, you know, you don't want a kid just to go up to a random stranger and, and pet a dog just because it's there, mm. you know, and whether it has a vest on or not. Right. And I know when I had my service dog, Bo, I, I mean, people would ask me and I would still say, well, you know, I'd rather you not, at least until I think his harness off, he's working right now. Yeah. And they'll go, well, where are you staying at? Like, let's say I was staying in a hotel or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, or I've even taken the harness off and let the kids pet them, but not too long, and then put it back on. Yep. 
You know what I mean? Because yep, and that's that's a lot of the experiences I've had too with service dogs is, you know, and and sometimes you know, and that's I, I by no means do I think service dogs are cool, but that's that's where I appreciate the the therapy dog rather than the service dog. Mm-hmm. One, you know, being I've got four kids and probably won't stop at that because my wife and I are do adoption and therapeutic foster care. Um, but I don't want the dog to, you know, when you have a service dog, that dog is yours. Mm-hmm. Like you feed the dog, the dog's with you. And, you know, I want, I want a family dog. And that's, that's one thing where the, the, the therapy dogs, I come home, I take her best off and she's everybody's dog. You yep. know, one thing that's been tough is, you know, then the kids will do things that I'll ask them not to do. And it can kind of mess with the training actually. But, yeah. you know, it's with Danny it has been fairly easily fixable. Do your kids go to the same school that you teach? Uh, they do not. I, okay. I, was, um, I was just wondering because, because I, you know, they know, they know the dog and I was wondering if they would walk in, the, walk in to see you and then they could do things that you don't want the other kids to do. To, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And, and I've, I've had a lot of different times. I mean, whether it's my kids or just my kids at school, I've had mm-hmm. situations like that where, you know, maybe they're, whether it's, they're too rough or whether they, you know, try to feed the dog part of a snack or <laughs> something like that. And, and had to, you know, and have had to correct stuff like that in the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's the kind of stuff that, that trains, you know, that you do in those specific trainings is, mm-hmm. is do that. And a lot of times what I'll do is um, I'll actually bring in kids to help me do the training. And now that's where we're kind of at a standpoint now because we can't go into schools, school buildings with, with, you know, kids can't go into school buildings, but I'll actually have kids and I'll walk around and then I'll have kids start at one end of the hallway and run screaming in the other, just so that she can get used to those situations. You know, is a kid supposed to be doing that in school? No, but do kids do that in school? Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. You know, and so it's, you know, just preparing them for the environment they're going to be in as yep. much as you can mm-hmm. you know and in, in a special education room especially in the ed type of behavioral things that i deal with i can't prepare for everything but you know i do the best i can to get to get uh her prepared for as much as i can yeah is there is there any case where the dog refused uh, i didn't have anything no uh-uh. okay and i know with with service dog and they they actually do there are dogs that'll do that, you know, and, and I know service dogs are, are ones that are notorious for that, but it's, mm-hmm. and there, there's a specific term for it. And Brad, maybe you know what it is. It's a, you know, a planned refusal, so to speak, where they know that something's going to, you know, they can sense something's going to happen. Yeah. So they won't listen to the command. Right. That, that's happened to my dog a few times where I've actually had to grab the leash and pull him back because, you know, to let him know that I'm still in charge. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? Oh, definitely. Definitely. So, yeah. Like, like, um, you saw, um, uh, this little girl, this little girl was showing a fit, throwing a fit. And, and, and it was something that, because I had, I was doing a demonstration at Dan Carlson school way back when, when, uh, after I graduated, that was the first dog we donated, and we were, we were just showing him off, and we were doing we were doing the dog in training and and both. The the difference, you know what I mean. So, 
kids started throwing a fit and wanted to, you know, and of course, both me, Bo wanted to go and uh, investigate, and I had to pull him back. I said, no, then I had to pull him back a few times to make him sit, but, you know, that's about the only time, but he, he didn't want to listen at first, and yeah. I had to work on that when I got home. <laughs> so. Yeah, the, the one time, you know, the only time that comes to mind is when I actually brought my therapy dog to present to the school board to get you know school board approval to have her in my room mm -hmm. i brought the dog with and you know she saw a group and uh, a tables you know a table full of people she wanted to go meet them mm -hmm. and here's me standing at a podium presenting and so she's sitting next to me and she's she's whining she wants to go and meet them and she so finally i just said you know what i'm gonna walk around and then i'll finish talking about it because i can't you know i can't focus and concentrate with this going on and i mean they loved it. She loved it. She came, sat right down, and and that was it. Yeah. But I mean, it was just she wanted to interact with those people. She saw people, and she wanted to interact with them. I know that's the same way Bo was too. But with, with the service dog, you cannot do that as much as you can with the therapy dog. So right, right. You know, and and I think that's where people need to be more educated because they don't know the difference between one or the other. So yeah. And. Even with hearing dogs now, are you familiar with the hearing dog program? Not any specific programs in our area, but I am familiar with with hearing dogs, and you know, somewhat yeah. similar to seeing eye dogs. Yeah. So, I I I know that uh, therapy dogs don't have a quite a dropout rate as service dogs do, do they? Not, not, no, not generally speaking. You know, there's, there's people that'll force train therapy dogs to be therapy dogs. And truthfully, not every dog can be a therapy dog. Um, you know, I mean, you have to have a dog that's, you know, has a calm demeanor that is, is easily settled. Um, you know, I, I look at my older lab and I thought about training him as a therapy dog, but then, then stopped because A, I like him to, I like him to be more on alert and more scattered because he's a hunting dog. And not to say that therapy dogs can't hunt, but when you get two different types of training, I mean, it's kind of like if we have two different kinds of jobs, you know, it's, it's no different than a human. If they get two different kinds of jobs, then they can become overwhelmed and training can, you know, and policies, so to speak, is where you look at it from a human standpoint can become mixed. And so training can be different. You know, you look at, um, you know, with having, you know, when you have them on a leash, if I've got, you know, if I've got a hunting dog, I want my hunting dog out in front of me. And if I've got a therapy dog, that therapy dog is by my side or behind me, no questions asked. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's, there's different kinds of trainings and, and whatnot, but. I know when I had my service dog, he turned on the left side, but I was right-handed. So yeah, they had to turn him around. Um, yeah, and that gets that gets to be kind of tricky too. Yep, mm -hmm. it sure was. It took longer. I had to stay in uh, Ohio for a week longer just to just uh, for him to get used to the uh, right side instead of the left side. So, right, right. You know, but when I would introduce him come on stage with me, Polly would put him or sit with him 
in the audience, and then I would call him up, and he would always come from the left side to my right, and then sit to my right, but he always used to come from my left side, you know, you know, all the time, which which surprised me after just a week or two of training. He, he knew what to do to do then, so it, it's it was amazing, but. Uh, you know, what they can they can do. You never know sometimes what they're gonna do. That's the thing. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. So how much do you charge per dog? If if I brought mine over, what would you charge me? Um, being as I'm not certified, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Um, you know, I'm always willing to advise people on what to do, but truthfully you don't like like I said, I'm not a certified trainer. I had to go up and find a certified trainer up in new rockford and that's eventually where i'll take her to get her control test before we can start to do you know the process um but as far as that goes i've thought i've contemplated kind of like you said i've contemplated going and getting my dog training certification and and doing that um but for now i just kind of want to put my energy into my own dogs and you know, into my own family and things like that. It's, you know, I've, I've got a pretty full plate. Um, so it's, it's tough to, to, uh, add something else to it. It's kind of like, I feel like I'm at Thanksgiving right now mm-hmm. and I've got green bean casserole all over my hands. So okay. to add, to add another, uh, a bun to that might, might get a little tricky. Well, how much are they worth after you get done training them? Um, to me, infinite. I mean, and it's, it's like, it's like with you, you know, I mean, that's, that becomes a part of you and, you know, for me and my family, you know, and, and my family uses the Andy in different ways. Um, she really does well with, um, with one of my kids who has, you know, some depressive issues and things like that. Um, my other dog actually does well with another one of my kids. Like I said, we do traumatic foster care and my other dog that I'm not training does very well with that so you know it's it's tough to say i mean it's tough to put a, a value on it and that's why you know like i said with the service dogs i i have a, i have a hard time with that with with a value being put on that you know i mean i realize that they have training and they have services and they have i mean they have things you know they have bills to pay when it comes to that but i mean to me you know we paid 350 bucks for the dog and you can, you can train. So I've seen people train therapy dogs that are rescue dogs, you know, and that you pay 50 bucks to have an application fee. So, I mean, it's, as far as worth, I, I couldn't even begin to put a number on it. To me, she's infinite worth. Like I said, there's been times when, you know, I've been down, I've been low. I know with, with my therapy dog that I had at school, I mean, there was situations she got kids out of that I never could have. And I, I mean, you know, I, I get paid, $60,000 a year to do my job and she did it better than I did. So, you know, if, if that's the value that you want to put on it, that, that you can, but you know, it's tough to do that. Okay. I was, I was just wondering because, you know, down in Jed, they're, they're 25 to 30,000 for the type of dogs they train. And I was just wondering what the average uh, therapy dog would run now. I mean, you know, and, I don't know. I, I never really, I, I suppose I can find out, but I was just curious if you knew. No, I haven't, uh, I haven't come across any place that actually, you know, like, like Judd where they keep and they house service dogs. I haven't come across a place where, um, 
people actually house and release therapy dogs. You know, I know there's a lot of times when, um, like if they do do a, a batch, you know, a, a litter of puppies that they're going to train for service dogs. I know there are some that don't make it through, you know, they, they flunk out of service dog school and those dogs actually make very good service dogs. So, or therapy dogs, excuse me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and we might have to cut this a little short, but uh, uh, well, um, I was just kind of curious because you know if they run if they run about what it costs for the service dogs, uh, it gets kind of spendy. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. I mean it depends on what you value as your time, but mm -hmm. you know my time it's it's therapeutic to me to do the training. Thanks, Mike. That was very informative, and I appreciate you, and I thank you for being a great guest. And I think our listeners will be very appreciative of the information you gave them. And talk to you all soon, and thank you very much, and you have a great day. for joining us for this episode of Living with a Disability, No Big Deal, sponsored by Rolla Ramp. This podcast features Brad Gabrielson sharing how everyone with a disability can live life to the fullest. Rolla Ramp is a global company based in North Dakota dedicated to helping people find solutions to accessibility needs. Special thanks to Carrie Wicks for moderating and to Dopey T for his original music. We hope you'll join us again next time on Living with a Disability, No Big Deal.